Friends, the Lord be with you. We welcome you to worship on this Sunday at St. Simon's Presbyterian Church. Whether you're a longtime member of our congregation, a friend of our church, or maybe you're finding us online today for the very first time, as always, we want to say thank you. We're grateful for your presence, helping to strengthen the worship of God in this place and on this day. Before we begin our time of worship, a few brief announcements. First, we want to let you know that we are planning a number of opportunities for us to safely gather in person in the coming weeks and days, uh, both for fellowship, for mission, and for worship. That begins this afternoon, Sunday, August 30th at 4 o'clock, when our young and young-ish adults, uh, you self-classify, are invited to gather over at Silver Bluff Brewing in Brunswick uh, for a time of fellowship, uh, conversation, and prayer. Uh, we'll be using their outdoor courtyard space, so there will be lots of room for us to spread out and to safely visit together. So we uh, invite you to consider uh, joining us for that uh, if you didn't already have it on your calendar. Then this Wednesday, our older adults are invited to another movie night under the tent uh, set up by uh, the playground on the Delgao Street side of the church. Uh, we'll be uh, viewing a movie that's very appropriate for these times called Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, so we hope that uh, you will bring your uh, own chair, bring your own mask, and come join us for that time of fellowship, uh, laughter, and enjoying a movie together under the tent. Again, that's this Wednesday at 7.30. And then finally, we want to uh, put on your radars uh, a new uh, worship opportunity that will be beginning Sunday, September 13th at their August meeting. Uh, the session of our church approved a plan uh, that would ease us back into regular in-person worship on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have uh, some severe space limitations here on our own campus, both outside and inside with the ongoing renovation. Uh, so we have identified and graciously been offered uh, a tent uh, that has been set up already at Frederica Academy for their use in this new school year, but they have graciously offered to let us use that tent and that outdoor space on Sunday mornings. So the officers and the staff of your church are uh, beginning to lay uh, the groundwork and make plans for how we can safely begin gathering outdoors on Sunday mornings uh, there at Frederica Academy beginning Sunday, September 13th. So there's still a lot of details that need to be set, uh, but we are working hard on those and we want you to be looking out for that information in the coming days and weeks as we share it with you in the lead up uh, to that first Sunday uh, in the hopes that that will be a way for us to safely continue gathering uh, for the foreseeable future on Sunday mornings for uh, a full worship service. Uh, all of these plans, of course, are contingent on uh, the public health uh, vectors and data uh, in our own community and the guidance of our public health professionals. Uh, we'll continue to monitor all of those and adjust as necessary. So friends, as we prepare now for our worship, we say a special word of thanks to our preacher today, Kate Buckley. Kate is our parish associate for congregational care, and she has been doing an exceptional job uh, helping to uh, provide for the care and the nurture, uh, the spiritual nurture of our congregation, especially during this pandemic time. And so we're grateful for her bringing her gift of words and her gift of preaching uh, in leadership uh, of worship this day as well. So friends, with those announcements made, let us now prepare our hearts and our minds to worship the living God.
invite you to join in today's call to worship by saying aloud the bolded words as they appear on your screen. So friends, let us now be called to worship. From whirlwind and burning bush, and still of night and in sheer silence, God calls the faithful to sacred work, beckoning us to turn aside, inviting us to stand on holy ground. God welcomes the faithful into sacred space. Come, God is calling. Let us worship the Lord. Amen.
So our sermon text this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Listen now for this word from the Lord. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I have, I who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The text we read today is one of those passages that can be plucked up out of the story of one's life and held up to the light to watch it sparkle and spark. It's a story of igniting and radiating, a story of warmth and of sacredness. First, let me say, bravo to Moses for noticing the bush that burned up without burning up. That would mean he'd have to be paying attention on his journey. He looked to the side to see it and not just to let the image sit in his retina, but to actually ingest with his senses 
what God was up to. He noticed the shrub was oddly alive with flames and yet not consumed by them. And then after noticing it, he wondered about it and he marveled at it. He let the blazing bush stop him in his tracks. And then Moses turns aside to see why the bush is not burned up. This to me encapsulates human nature. If something doesn't add up and doesn't make sense to us, something new or different, like a bush that is on fire but isn't burning up, or like the tomb of a dead radical turning up empty on Easter morning, or like a pathogen sweeping throughout the population of the globe. We want to know how, we want to know why, we want to get to the bottom of this new thing that we don't understand and that threatens the safety of our logic. We want to know how to file this event away in the right folder of our filing system. The comfortable cabinet that has a section for fires burn bushes and dead things stay dead. And if we research it and study it, we can conquer it. Moses' knee-jerk reaction to investigate this strange shrub is the human thing we all do. But why? What? Maybe if we understand it, we can fix it or feel safer or less frightened about the unknown. Here in the story, God realizes what Moses is seeking to do, to get a better grip on reality, to seek more control. He refocuses Moses' attention away from looking at the bush and all that energy that's distracting away from the outside world. Away from the bush that made him perk up to begin with. And now he draws him closer in. Moses! 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 God calls him. Here I am. Here I am. Uh, here, here, here I am. Here. More than just telling God where he is and that he hears God, I wonder if this exchange is much larger. Moses is getting completely reoriented, completely changed in this frozen mountaintop fire blazing experience. He is wowed and then he's confused and then he's transformed by noticing his feet taking off the extra weight of his shoes and his filing systems and leaning into his purpose. What if, we'll get to this in a minute, what if in the context of this particular exchange with God, Moses is not just answering God and saying, I'm over here, but also here I am. All of me is right here. The layers I don't even acknowledge 99.9% .9 of the time, heard you calling, saw you blazing, and all of me decided to show up. Here I am. What are you 99.9% .9 of the time? I'll start. I'm a lot of things. I am a Southern white woman, 
I am a daughter of a Presbyterian pastor and an elementary school music teacher. I'm a college graduate. I'm a seminary graduate. I am a model for commercial shoots. I am Stuart's wife of 11 years and counting. I am a mom to three children. I am a United States citizen in the 21st century. I am living through a global pandemic. I'll tell you what else I am. I am a question asker. I'm really curious. I'm compassionate. I am stubborn. I can be proud. Okay, I'll claim it. I am proud. I am introspective. I am fun-loving and introverted. I am not perfect. So I want you to take a minute. Think about you. What about you? Finish this sentence. I am... Who are you? What are you? I am... We all have titles and roles. We're sons, we're wives, cousins, teachers, preachers, doctors, and landscapers. We're yogis, we're artists, we're storytellers and troublemakers and snugglers and crossword aficionados. Not me. What is it that defines you in your mind? What happens when you take off your shoes and your pretenses, your titles and your roles, when you leave behind your identities that the external things tell you you are, what then? That's when you're left with nothing and with everything. That is when you're standing on holy ground. Holy ground is when we strip off the sandals, the socks, the shoes, the egos. We get up the gumption to shed the weight of how we normally travel through life. Our toes make contact with the earth. We are literally grounded and our feet are naked. We noticed a spark and we are in pure wonderment of what God is doing in a bush on the side of the road, calling our name. How does it sound for God to call your name? For me, it's not mom, mom, mom. Mom doesn't come from the bush. It's not even Kate, Kate, or Mary Catherine. Mary Catherine. It's the voice of God calling to somewhere deeper in me than any of that and all of that. It sounds like this. You. You. All of you. You there barefoot on the path. I want to use all of your you-ness to help end the oppression of my people your stripped down raw self that stutters all the time. Yes, it is good. Yes, it is useful. 
and it can help your neighbor if you let it. Moses, like us, qualifies, shies away, steps back from the flame that looks so threatening. He feels he is out of his league. Who am I to do all of these things? In the South, we call this modesty. Because of my context, I'm, I'm envisioning a woman with coiffed hair opening the door and inviting me inside the threshold with disclaimers flowing steadier and more natural than the sweet tea on the table. You'll have to forgive this house. It is such a mess. As I gaze around at the immaculate living room with not even a dirty sock in sight. My house has dirty socks. <laughs> you want little old me? The one that spends the majority of my time people pleasing and trying to stay inside the lines? Blessing people's hearts and striving to feel I am good enough? How am I supposed to get the guts to do real work like stand up to oppressors and lead people? Persuade the Israelites to follow me? They don't know me from Adam or Eve. And I'm underqualified. In other words, I don't believe in myself. You're wrong to put this on me. You've got the wrong one. If you knew me, you wouldn't ask this of me. But here's the cool part. He says, what's the name of the one who sends me? What am I supposed to tell these people? I'm a peon. What if they don't listen to me? I'm likely to be laughed at as all prophets are, or dismissed, as most prophets are, or even killed, as some prophets are. Who, who qualifies me? Who, who has the authority to catch their attention? And God responds, y'all, this is the coolest part. God responds, I am who I am. You're to tell them, I am sends you. So here just a minute ago, it's so striking. A minute ago, Moses says to us, to God, here I am, or here I am. He could be saying, here I am to the I am, God the divine who just is. Moses has reached out and responded to God. Moses is here, or more aptly, Moses just is. Moses' eyes are attuned to what God is doing on a mountain path, to the expanse of trees, to the view off the cliff of Horeb, a dizzying way down. Moses' ears are perked up listening to the wildlife scurrying around in the bushes and that crackle of the flame that doesn't burn. Moses' nose smells mountain laurel and dusty earth. Moses' body thrums with this gravitational pull to what is calling him closer. He is alive in all of his senses, barefoot, and here. He's undistracted. He is wholly present. When Moses is positioned in this God spot, in this God moment, he encounters the divine. 
Moses's I am meets the great I am. He'll never be the same again. I'm pretty sure that this is how God works. Igniting sparks in us to shine outwards in these brave beams of light. We are people who have been hurt, who have been lonely, who have seen the dark, who have wrestled with things only we know. But we get transformed in these moments where we dare to be completely vulnerable and present and barefoot. God works to warm the world through transformed people who finally get out of their own way to go serve other people in God's name. I would argue that God has our attention right now. There are forest fires, a pandemic, political division, social unrest, hurricanes off the shore. Every single thing in our lives seems to be swirling around right now, up in the air, not making any sense to us, wreaking havoc, being chaos, but it grabs at our senses. I think it's only when we realize that we may never understand the why that we're gonna be able to pause, to take off our shoes and to soak in the mystery. We can step forward lighter, underqualified, but housing this tiny spark, y'all, this tiny little spark of purpose that reaches beyond ourselves and beyond our comprehension, as even now God is fanning that flame. I wanna share with you a poem that I wrote for this particular text. It goes like this. Blessed be the spark, the one twinkling and dancing, a special glint in the eye. It does not consume or destroy like the flames of hatred or the smoldering embers of jealousy and fear. It is a sacred spark. It blazes with contagious warmth. It radiates a glow that gives life. Despite the cavernous darkness, that expansive chilling void that threatens to snuff it out. Timid at first, nursed by the breath of the believing, it stretches and spreads to lick the night sky, gaining boldness in its own isness, in its own amness, claiming its space and opening up to its purpose to be put to use with poise and with fortitude. It's a little miracle tiny and mighty, 
noble in its truthfulness. It announces without pride, with humble confidence, here I am, I am here. Amen. Good and gracious God, reveal to us this day that simple truth that we are yours, that we have each been crafted in your image and named as good. Oh God, in those moments when we find ourselves behind closed doors, kicking off our shoes, may we be comforted 
in that truth. May we be aware of that fact that we are enough because we are yours. But we pray, O God, that you will not let us rest in that knowledge, but rather through that knowledge that you would make us restless, that you would send us back out into the world, that in our glimpsing that same truth in every one of your created children, we might live for the sake of others. We might live in that model that your son Jesus Christ taught us to live sacrificially, to live with compassion, to live as peacemakers. It's not easy work, O oh God particularly in these days when so many storms are brewing. We pause in this time to pray for our friends and our neighbors on the Gulf Coast who at this very moment are picking through the debris of lives and communities that have been blown to smithereens. Oh God, in the wake in the wake of the raw power of nature, may you be a presence of peace, of comfort, and of hope. That they might know that they are not alone in these hours, but rather you dwell near to them. And that even now you are beginning to knit their lives back together. Be too, O oh God, with those first responders, those power line workers, those food preparers, those home rebuilders who are moving towards those communities even now. May we each glimpse your face and the face of those helpers. Oh God, we recognize, of course, that Hurricane Laura is not the only storm brewing in our midst. We pray for those who continue to go out into the heavy wind that is COVID-19 each and every day, for those healthcare workers, for those people who continue to walk into the homes of those who call 911 and report that they are not feeling well. We pray for those who continue to walk into the hospital rooms to administer medication, to check vital signs, to clean the floors, to serve the food, to empty the trash. Oh God, we pray for your comfort and your healing work to be at work through their lives and through their ministry. We pray too, oh God, for the sick, for those who are struggling with this virus and for those who grieve. Be, O oh God, with the countless others who are sick, not just with COVID-19, but with ailments of all kinds, provide comfort and healing in their lives as well. And yet again, we recognize that this is not the only storm brewing in our midst. For this has been yet another week where we have seen the storm of division of hate, of violence. Oh God, we pray. We pray for healing of those deep wounds of racial prejudice. Those deep wounds where neighbor looks upon neighbor and sees an enemy. 
We pray, God, for your peace to be sown in this nation and for that peace to begin with us. Craft in us, O God, ears that are willing to listen. In these days when people seem only to want to shout at one another. Craft in us, O God, eyes and hearts that are willing and able to see the hurt that exists in the hearts of far too many. But most of all, God, use us as vessels of your peace, of your mercy, and of your justice. Send us out, O God, into the world as people who are called by the simple fact that we are enough, by the simple truth that we are loved for who we are. And in that truth, O God, help us to love others for who they are. O God, we offer these prayers to you, for we know that you hear them. And we pray now that you will hear us, as together we say the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you.